Welcome back to the With Joe Eby podcast. This is day two of five discussing Peter Thiel's ideas on education. And we've got five reasons for what he calls the education bubble. Like this is, this is fascinating to me. So he points out that we're in the era of bubbles, right? And, and a bubble is, you know, you can think about the GFC or something like that. If you want a, a reference point, what, what was the movie? The Big Short, right? Mm, great movie. Popular movie. Anyway, right? where things kind of, blow out of like a bubble they just swell up but it's just based on nothing but air there's no substance to prices going up perceptions being you know misaligned and erroneous it's really fascinating now build on what we were saying yesterday right teal points out and this this video is in 2014 2015 so just think about it now but he pointed out that the cost of american colleges tuition has gone up by 400 percent since 1980 after inflation, right? So the price has been going up, but he argues that the quality of the education has not been improving, right? So the actual quality, it can't be changing, especially it's a problem if it's probably becoming less relevant because things are changing faster and faster. So I suspect that most degrees, the information is becoming less relevant. It's the feedback I get too from people and say it's not applicable to what I actually go and work and do. So you might even question if it's getting worse, but the, the cost is going up. Now, not only that, he says from 1980 to 1990, it was actually taking people less time to pay off that debt because the problem is since the year 2000 in the US, right? So referring to the US, it's taking longer to pay off the debt. Also in the United States, you can't declare bankruptcy on this debt the only form of debt you can't declare bankruptcy on if you go if you go bankrupt you still got to pay this off eventually they'll start garnering it from your social uh, garnishing it sorry from your social security when you hit 65 or however it works so this is the idea of the bubble that he introduces us to all right so it's like it's the price is getting inflated and i think that's because like we said in the previous episode it's this tournament concept you got everyone lining up because parents generation have kept saying this is how you guarantee your future this is how you and everyone feels like they should go but they're not thinking about it so everyone's lining up which drives more demand which drives the price up but the competitive advantage is actually less of having a degree on its own because you, it's harder to distinguish yourself when everyone has a degree all right but again we talked in the last episode not everyone's there thinking degree equals success but there's a bit more nuance to it Anyway, so yeah, he points out, so examples of bubbles and he's a good person to talk about it because he was, you know, right there in Silicon Valley when they had the big tech bubble or the dot-com boom in the early 2000s and 2002, that kind of peaked. And then the housing was a big one, right? The GFC, that was all based on a housing bubble. Same concept, prices were just going ridiculous, but there's not really actual, like a value change it was unsustainable. And that's what a bubble really is. Now, he says, what's tricky about the education bubble in contrast to the other two is that education as a product is very intangible, if that makes sense, right? It's, it's like, this will be useful in the future, you'll see, but there's not that much accountability as to how, right? It's, it's kind of vague. And it's tricky because I know everything to do with learning really is intangible, if that makes sense. Like a conversation like this, Luke, is an education experience for you and I. 
Yeah. It's not obvious that it's going to lead us to earning X amount of dollars more next year because we have these conversations or it's going to qualify us to do this or that. It is quite intangible in nature. It's not exactly 100% sure it's going to be this thing we get out of it. Sure. I, I don't disagree that that's the nature of learning. If anything, people undervalue the intangibles. Like I'd say philosophy is a really big thing and like a lot of high achieving people, very philosophical, but no one's really structurally taught that. It's hard to sell someone on that. You know, want to thrive in business, explore philosophy. Like read some Seneca books. Read some Seneca books, read some Anthony DeMello, tough, tough sell. Well, you so can't I, point you can't point to anything directly. Can't point it's to very, it, very right? difficult. You can't point to it. I don't think that changes, but also it, it's not an excuse for people to give you a shit education. But no. they obviously no one thinks no, not many people think they're giving you a shit education. No. But the pro the reason this is why I don't think that people should pay a lot of money for something that is isn't tangible because it's too risky. Mm. Right? Like as valuable as this conversation is. You know, you wouldn't want to pay 10 grand to have this conversation with me. <laughs> Not unless you're paying me 10 grand, but anyway. Yeah, but this is how you can, but because people, unlike a conversation with me for 10 grand, no one's going to pay that because yeah. there's no justification for it. But this is the power of branding. The, the position that universities, colleges and stuff have, people that do charge a lot for an education not just charge a lot, they take a portion of your, you spend a portion of your life there, your youth right? They, they have this kind of unquestioned, unquestioned role. It's like, this is just where you go for a lot of young people, unlike a conversation with me. So they actually just go straight into it. And that's a bad feedback loop for this bubble. So, you know, why is it, why is it important? Well, going further into it, he makes another good point. He goes, another feature of bubbles is you make consumption goods feel like investments, which we talked about in the previous episode. He says in, in the housing bubble, everyone was buying like houses with pools because it's like, oh, it's an investment. <laughs> so, you know, college and everything, this, this big party um, or university, this big party, you, you don't have to, you can delay all the responsibilities, a lot of the responsibilities a bit more. It, it's, it's like that. It's, it's the consumption good disguised as an investment, which is very pernicious. Also, another feature he points out about bubbles that they require abstractions away from reality. Right. So it, it gets misaligned with like what's real. For sure. example, again, classic easy thing to pick on here is that you're you're learning a lot of things that aren't relevant. Right. My yep. my, my cousin is a graphic designer and he's he's going to uni, for example, who doesn't know what um Figma is. It's like the number one tool being used to design apps these days and, and stuff like that. Right. It, this is the sort of stuff that's that's going on in like mainstream education like nowhere in school and that is their adoption of like the real tools people are using yeah or the real concepts or the real things you need to know everyone's getting into the workforce and then learning it right it's, it's a, like it's a scarily consistent narrative so this is like where specifically in education there's an abstraction away from reality i think we actually referred to this in episode 181 about to lead to if anyone needs like a a deep dive on that and it happens in financial times too the abstraction away from reality, right? Like there's a good example. It's a documentary, Princes of the Yen, about what happened in Japan in the, at the end of the 20th century in their economic bubble and how the, the, the government, the treasury rather, basically <laughs> fed this bubble so they could make, so they could create an economic collapse so they could actually make reform 
because they could go, look how bad things are. This is why we need to change this in this law. Scary, scary stuff. This is the sort of stuff that goes on. So uh, it's so hard for people, everyday people to see through this stuff because everyone's doing it. Right. And this is what's an abstraction. This is what he means by it. it's an abstraction away from reality. I, yeah. I just feel like this is good stuff to be aware That's- of. Because you don't yeah. want to be caught in a freaking bubble. Well, that's a good point. In in terms of finance, when any comp it's the classic example of a company that can't show, has a lot of hype, but can't show directly how it's gonna, you know, return anything exactly. in terms of revenue and profits. But everyone's purchasing the share, therefore the price is going up. Therefore, there's a bubble created, which is interesting to think of university in that lens. If if what you're learning is not is not relevant to the actual skills you need in the workplace. Big bubble time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a big bubble bar. One thing I think, I don't think he says specifically, and that's certainly what I was watching, is I think on some level our education institutions are quite monopolistic. And again, I, I, I probably keep coming across as this like vigilante against, you know, I don't think everyone should just drop Anti-uni. out. <laughs> Neither does Till. Till says it's not like I think everyone should drop out. It's not that it's not for some people. It's not that for some people it's the best option. Like it, it definitely is, right? Like I went there. I did get some stuff out of it. But I just know it could have been done way better. And, and definitely now it can be done way better for most people. But he, I want to come back, back to this idea because in his book, which we'll get to in a couple of episodes, Zero to One, he talks about, the importance of monopolies. And I think one thing that universe, Scott McEwen, Scott, our friend said this the other day to me, he goes, universities were built as the monopoly of information before we had internet and libraries everywhere. Even before that Mm. universities had information. That's where you went to get. So they had a monopoly on that. They then evolved to turn that into a monopoly on qualifications. You can't go be a lawyer unless you've got a university degree. You can't be a doctor unless you've got a university degree. So someone had to do it and that was them. So, you know, fair enough. But it's it's this level of control. It, it, I was thinking about it today. The name university has the name universe, has the word universe in it, which is almost like it's the whole thing, <laughs> like universe, like the mm. whole thing. It was very interesting. I never thought of that before, but if... You know, that it's kind of latent in there, but it's a misrepresentation. But yeah, they, they definitely have this kind of monopoly on like people's post, post like high school kind of pathway, really. Now, the thing about how crazy this is, right? So we keep going with these ideas today. Why is it, why is everyone doing it? If this is all the bad stuff that's going on, right? Like we know one on one thing, it's just, it's what everyone's expected to do. So you've got that conveyor belt aspect, but why is it still happening? And one of the things Till says, and I love this as a quote, failure to imagine an alternative future. Right? What we have is a failure to imagine an alternative future. Like I've seen this a lot and I've heard it from the mouths of people saying the community and stuff like that who are at college or university. Again, a lot of them should be there that a lot of them are there because they don't know what else to do. I just think that's very scary. Like the reality of anyone's journey, and this is the problem, is this what I call the thousand doors-esque kind of journey, which is like you do one thing, you learn something there, you have a shift in perspective, and then that leads to the next door you open. Two classic examples in this conversation right now. 
Joe from university to Nepal to real estate to education, Luke from university to, you know, retail at JB Hi-Fi to sales to thing to podcast now. And that that's like everyone's reality, even if it's within an industry, there's always some sort of change, right? They start off this type of lawyer, they became that type of lawyer. That's everyone's, that's everyone's journey. And university can be a part of that picture for sure. But it's when someone's looking forward and they're trying to plan here on one hand, you've got this promise, which is you can do this for a couple of years and then you'll right insurance policy. On the other hand, you've got this completely unstructured alternate space. So it's so hard for people not to go down the track compared to just these doors and they have no idea what lies behind them and what they would do after that and who they would be talking to and where would they meet people and stuff like that. So it's this collective and individual failure to imagine and create that alternate thing. Like I'm optimistic now because there are things being built, right? They don't have the sort of scale or, or cultural standing that university does, but they're starting, right? But this is, this is, a, very big, this is a very big idea. Yeah, like you said it in the last episode, right? Like I didn't think like this is what IT, all right, uni. There's, uh, no, only, there's no B, there's no uh, B. Only with what I know now, having various different experiences would I have made a different decision, but I don't think, I think it's very difficult for young people that are in like just coming out of school, for example, to then, it, it's almost like they're fighting against the grain, not going to university, yeah, you are. Yeah. especially with the perception. So what? How, what do you think what do you think is the biggest barrier to people imagining that sort of alternate future? Is it just well, the unknown or what do you think? It's the unknown. It's the unknown because I had a quote that I guess got I put a little line out on LinkedIn, I think, the other day, and a lot of people gave a little bit of acknowledgement. Is that like opportunity is not scarce in this day and age, but education about opportunity is non-existent. Like it's out there. So if you happen to stumble upon it, like what you can build using the internet you know what income you can make through crypto or you can make an income through gaming or you can start a podcast and how to do it or all these other things right it's just no one who who's responsible on a big level of edu- like it's not happening in schools because the gener- that generation like a lot of people that work in schools no disrespect to them but if they had an awareness of like some of the things they could be doing they might not be teaching at schools mm. <laughs> right because the, the um, ability to have impact, like a lot of them would still do it, right? And there's nothing wrong with being a teacher. I know some great people I think are going to be incredible teachers our age or younger. But if you had a deeper awareness, like the, the attraction of doing X or Y other thing, creating your own, like constant student, right? Created almost our own version of a, a modern school that doesn't have many of the elements of traditional school because that's how far away it is abstracted from reality. Like, why would I want to become a, a teacher if I'm aware of that stuff? All right, so you got that. And then, but also he, he makes another point on this too, actually, Luke, uh, Teal himself. He says that because he went, to, he went to Harvard, right? And he goes, people's ambitions get beaten out of them in these places. Like there's just more of this drive towards consensus. He says that people, this, this is his, not me, but he says people um, leave, um, they're 18, they leave like high school. They have all these ideas and everything like that. And by the time they finish their degree four or five years later, it's all, it's all diluted down. 
it's all now now be more realistic now think more like this it's it's classic box thinking and consensus based so well, a, lot that, a lot of that excitement is just progressively beaten out of you like year by year as you go through these systems like children say oh, i'm going to be an astronaut i'm going to be a fireman right and and it's this we we humor them and and patronize them thinking yeah 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 pat them on the head and then later on they'll, they'll figure it out they'll figure it out what a yeah. terrible narrative and no one questions it because it's everyone well i know i i know if you didn't go to university sort of when we were graduating people would kind of get a little bit worried for you in a way <laughs> yeah like they go oh geez i don't know what he's gonna do sort of thing like that was the underlying that's what i felt at least was the underlying yeah. Yeah. consensus pretty much across the board i agree and what i would conclude with is that based on these last two episodes and we'll wrap this one up here i just don't think that uh, universities and colleges deserve to be the default I do not think they deserve to be in this time and age, either the schooling, to be honest, before that. But that requires even more imagination to, to, to circumvent. I don't think there's nothing wrong with people going there, but I do not think it, needs, it deserves its place as the default thing you do with your life once you've turned 18. And I don't think the main reason you don't go there is because you didn't manage to get in or you, weren't, you didn't feel smart enough or good enough for it. I don't think it deserves its status as the default.